Hi folks, this is Alan Watt at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com It is December the 14th, 2006 You must have been a beautiful baby You must have been a wonderful child But you were only starting Go to kindergarten, I bet you drove the little boys wild. And when it came to winning blue ribbons, you must have shown the other kids how. I can see the judges' eyes as they handed you the prize. Bet you made the cutest bow. Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby. Cause baby, look at you now. To go to kindergarten, I bet you drove the little boys wild. And when it came to winning blue ribbons, you must have shown the other kids how. I can see the judge's eyes as they handed you the prize. I bet you made the cutest bow. Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby. Baby, look at you now. She's a cutie. Baby, look at you now. And I'd like to follow up last night's talk with something connected, in a sense, the topic. This is about how the scientists are now going into the womb to alter fetuses. And this is a story they're giving us as to the reasons, and you bet your bottom dollar, these are only part of the reasons, if any of the reasons at all. The real reasons are to find out if they can tamper and alter basically DNA, DNA structure of a developing fetus. That's what's really behind all of this to re-engineer humanity. This one's done under DNA vaccine immunizes fetal lambs. There's a headline from Science News 2000, August 19th, volume 158, number 8, page 116. And I'm going to read some of this for you. Although a woman's placenta shields her fetus from most infections she carries during pregnancy, microbes sometimes pounce on a baby during or shortly after birth. In this way, many mothers inadvertently transmit diseases such as herpes simplex to their child. In the August Nature magazine, scientists report successfully vaccinating fetal lambs against bovine herpes, to which sheep are susceptible. The study bolsters a nascent technology that aims to protect human infants still in the womb from disease of their mothers. 
The researchers squirted a DNA vaccine into the mouths of fetal lambs using a needle inserted through an incision in the mother's sheep. The scientists delivered the vaccine on day 124 of the sheep's 148-day gestation period. A few weeks later, after the ewes gave birth vaginally, tests showed the technique had immunized all 12 fetal lambs given the vaccine but had no effect on the mothers, says study co-author Lorne A. Babuik, a virologist at the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. The lambs received an oral booster dose after birth. The initial vaccination had induced moderate antibody buildup against the bovine herpes, says Babiuk. The booster hiked this immunity dramatically, apparently to a protective level. The researchers currently are exposing the lambs to bovine herpes virus to determine whether they are indeed immune. The DNA vaccine contains a herpes virus gene. Specialized immune cells accept this gene and display on their surfaces of the glycoprotein it encodes. The body then recognizes the glycoprotein as foreign and launches an immune response. The vaccination has worked a lot better than we had expected, Babiuk says. For example, antibodies against the herpes virus appeared in the newborn lamb's neck limb glands as well as in their blood. This suggests significant mucosal immunity, so named because it fends off microbes that latch onto the mucus-lined surfaces of the mouth and throat. Mucosal protection is important for newborns because during birth they come into contact with and often ingest viruses or bacteria in their mother's blood or their fluids or other fluids. In addition, concentrations of the hormone cortisol in the lambs at birth match those seen in newborn lambs getting an inert vaccine. Babiuk and his colleagues consider this a sign of normal development. They consider it a sign. That's telling. They consider that a sign. It's not as a sign. They consider it as a possibility. The study hints that fetal mammals can rally an immune response if properly stimulated, Babiuk says. Herpes simplex, hepatitis B, and group B streptococcus can all be passed on at birth, making them candidates for fetal vaccination. The research represents a very interesting development, says Stephen A. Johnson of the University of Texas, Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. The vaccine delivery technique used in the study may not be practical for widespread use, but it will likely spawn more research in to in utero vaccination, he says. And that's the end of that little part. Now, there's a whole bunch of links leading from this into other scientific groups who are into the same field, who are all trying to verify each other. If they don't verify each other, the grants will stop coming because it'll be a, a dead horse, you see because that's how science really works. But this is not the real reason for all of this tampering with fetuses. Partly it's to get parents to gradually accept the possibility and probability that this will be done on a routine basis with humans. That's what it's all about, they admit that. And if we look into articles written back and books written back in the 50s and 60s 
in medicine, we will find many, many discussions and comments on how they would eventually eliminate disease and, and possibly even psychological problems and all be done by specifying which particular recumbent or, or dominant genes were responsible for making you prone to specific diseases or mental illnesses and so on and so on. And they had come to the conclusion back then, and probably long, long before, that the way to create a human... And remember, too, this is, this is a, a human that's going to be approved by the government. They, they, they sit down and discuss what type of human they want. They don't want to just make someone who could grow up and change the world. They want someone to fit into a system already established. So be a government-approved type of human and they discussed then that they'd have to get into the literal into the womb itself into the DNA structure of the fetus so as always as always under the guise of helping to prevent something that will harm us the most ancient technique that's ever been used in history they're, they're into it they're in there already and you can bet your bottom dollar, as this group here, these various groups are working on animals, farm animals. You can bet your bottom dollar there are higher groups that have already been doing the same thing with human beings and human fetuses. This is the intelligent design, the ID, the real meaning of ID, the intelligent design they want to get to. Uh, the human who will grow up being the exact thing that is programmed to be programmed by those who've authorized or been authorized to program it the perfect human for the perfect system that's where scientists are and these these announcements that go out through different publications are not meant just for for those in that field of research it's really meant for the general public Gradually and gradually you're being conditioned step by step to, to the inevitability of this. This is standard technique. For more on this particular topic, look into Nature Medicine. That's the title of the magazine. That is 1999. I don't know if it's volume 5 or, five or what it is, but it's, this was in 1999. And you'll get the different reports from different departments from the University of Texas, the University of uh, Saskatchewan, and other ones. And you'll, you'll start to get the picture of what's really going on. What these people never discuss is where their research money comes from. Because that's how you direct society always you steer society anyone who thinks that scientists just uh, leave university get, get a job and are allowed to work in any field in any direction they wish are up a gum tree the big foundations in collaboration with 
the secret services of countries like the MI5 or MI6 or CIA or Mossad are the ones that direct all research. And we know, as I've said already, that in the 50s and 60s there were many publications came out from science fields talking about the creation of new types of humans and how they'd have to get into it. And they knew, and that's why they know, you see, they could always pull off what they want. They direct the funding into any particular area, and it becomes so. Those who go off on their own and try to do something really wonderful for society will find they can't get grants from government or the foundations. They're told where to go into what the direction they have to go into. I did do half an hour of a blurb on in-depth science in this particular field. Then I scrubbed it because it's too it's too technical for most people. It's really meant for those in the know with their own little language, which all sciences must create to keep the profane out or keep them from understanding. While we hurry and scurry in our lives and are kept busy trying to keep either afloat or we play with our dysfunctional families or you're busy doing overtime to keep up with all the things that you either want or at the bottom, uh, the basic things that you need. You don't really have time to digest all that's happening, really happening in the real world. Uh, the stuff that the news barely touches on, once in a blue moon they'll touch on something as though it were a curiosity and go on to trivia or sports or something and then it's out of your head. But it's conditioning you that to accept the inevitability of certain lines of research. And as I say, at the bottom level of science, they're allowed to do research because if they're even, even though they're funded as well to go in certain directions. And that's why they're really rediscovering stuff. It's like the Old Testament where, where the big deity says, um, go off and replenish the earth. That means that it was plenished before, obviously. Well, same with research. It means the searching was done at a higher level. Otherwise, it would simply be called scientific search. So the bottom research is to keep us living in a past, really, where we think we're on the cutting edge. And when we believe that, when we truly swallow that, that we're on the cutting edge, they can play wonders with technologies that we don't even know exist that never dawns on us. Because you think you read the latest science magazines or medical journals. Oh my goodness. We, no, they couldn't do that to us because they haven't arrived there yet. They're still working on it. And that's the trick of the bottom level of research. And the bottom level, they're paid pretty well too. They're smug. They're confident. And they have no idea that there's higher levels above them. Yet there's nothing that the military-industrial complex... Worldwide, by the way, an integrated military-industrial complex, that there, there's not a single area they haven't been funding and, and, and gone into over oh, probably 100, 200 years.
To maintain power, you must always be on top. And you must always have power which is completely unknown by the people at the bottom. You can play marvellous tricks with the weather, as we see today. As they spray out the skies, no one will talk about this one in their magazines, that the spraying that's going on all the time has been for years now. And like Brzezinski says, you know, the, the average person will be unable to think for themselves, um, and they surely can't now. But when they see it for themselves, they will not believe what they're seeing because it's not been mentioned on the, the media. And Brzezinski basically said that. That's happened to most people. They've grown up in a world where they think that the media is there like some extension to their brain to do their reasoning for them. And it certainly is not. It's there to indoctrinate you and keep you in the dark as well. So yeah, they can play marvellous things with the weather. It's under control now. And they can bring on catastrophes, droughts. I used to wonder... Isn't it so strange how everything in the agenda, when you understand the agenda and the timetables, and you've read their books and you keep up with the reports and the big meetings they have, when they wanted to basically do with it with the farming communities in the United States and Canada, suddenly you had all these droughts out west, this drought year after year after year. Even had plagues of grasshoppers out west in, in Canada. And when they weren't being dried out, they're being flooded out, alternating floods. And this is all easily done by the HARP technologies signed into a treaty at the United Nations, which and they don't sign anything into a treaty which they can't do. That's why they signed the treaty. They can do it. It's not something they're working towards. So yeah, they put a lot of farmers under because Latin America, under the free trade negotiations, the precursor of NAFTA, and actually a bit more important than NAFTA, because the preambles are always more important than the rest of the content that follows. And under the free trade negotiations, um, the Free Trade in Americas, the FTA, they talked about setting up Latin America to be the, the farmers for the planet, basically especially in vegetables, etc. And sure enough, the big boys, Monsanto, Cargo, ADM, they're all down there in Chile, which is to join NAFTA. It's all been set up to do so. And they've been set up by the tax money of all countries, because a big fund of tax money came from the countries to go in to the developing countries to build them up under the NAFTA deal. So your food is tampered with big time. That was a big one too when they came out with the modified food. As though it was just a, a new lollipop. That way it was presented on television in Canada. When they interviewed, I think it was this one little blurb on it. They interviewed one person in between the news. A woman vendor with two tables. One modified corn, one non-modified and what do you think of this corn then? Is it good or not? Well, it tastes the same to me. That was it. That was your decision done for you. Uh, buy a red-haired yo-yo. Then had David Suzuki come out to make uh, to cover the tracks because the Canadians had even been told they were the guinea pigs for 10 years for this stuff until it broke out from Britain. 
and then we found out. So our food is heavily tampered with. We've been inoculated like ping cushions since early years. Now they're going into to, to the, the fetal inoculations. And that's also to re-engineer because, believe you me, at the top they have no problems about having enough people to serve them. Their problem is, is having too many people nowadays to serve them. They don't need us all. They've told us that over and over. And I've studied the depopulation program from their own writings at the end, or the beginning of the 1700s, right through to the books they put out at the beginning of the 20th century. And then a lot of the books came out right after World War I, where big boys in Britain and elsewhere were complaining that not enough people had been killed off. You want to bring it down to their specific little perfect numbers. And that's the sad truth about the world in which we live. Recently, I've talked to people who really care about others in this world. And they become terribly distraught when they find that most people don't really care about other people. And it's a hard thing for those who do care to find out and, and, and really get it through their heads that that's the world they live in. Most people are egocentric. They do that which pleases them. They avoid pain. That can also be helped along through psychological techniques. And sure enough, Bertrand Russell and other ones mentioned that they would create an egocentric society. That was all part of what the New Age was created to be, uh, to avoid things which make you feel unpleasant. I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that. It's upsetting. Look on the bright side. Don't be a downer. You know, when there's a forest fire, the animals run for it. When sheep get spooked, they bolt in all directions. And there's the, supposedly the most domesticated animal alongside the dairy cow. And dairy cows themselves, if they've been chosen to go off to slaughter, seem to know it's coming. They have a awareness, a sigh. Uh, almost a psychic awareness of something happening. And I've seen a neighbor who had cattle. His, his cattle would um, be lowing all night long before the truck would come in the morning. All night long. The most sorrowful sound you'd ever hear. They just seemed to know. Yet mankind, humankind, overtakes them in its domesticity. We've had more work done on us through psychological methods and inoculations to lobotomize specific parts of the brain, like Kostler said in The Ghost in the Machine. And you can see it all around you. You see those who don't want to know any bad news. It's a downer. I want to be happy. I, me, 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 I. And yet the survival of humankind in all ages is dependent on the carrying of 
each individual for the others. Otherwise you have chaos and and such a people will will vanish. It's a very telling point actually because civilizations have gone in the past, gone down because of that very problem. The elite think they have it all in hand. They care about each other. They know the necessity of caring for each other, at least making sure that they're all in their same positions and, and standing by each other. They close ranks and stand by each other. But those people down below are running around chasing gurus, new age, reptilian people, everything you can imagine, anything which excites and titillates the imagination, but they don't want to hear the bad news. And they don't want to know that there are people amongst them who work in projects which would be given the Iron Cross for Joseph Mengele's research. And they could be living next door to you even. There's a lot of very nasty, evil people, and I've talked to some of them. I've heard people tell me, I've met some of them who work for the big boys. One was a woman who was a teacher, a strange kind of teacher because from a very old family, very wealthy old upper family, who could take six months off in the year and go off to China and obviously paid to do so and of other countries. And I was talking to her when she came back. And because I understand so many topics, I got chatting to her and she knew me standing outside a general store in the middle of nowhere and she rather carried away about the Chinese system see the Chinese system is to be the model system for the world there is mandatory abortion for second child families and she carried away about their, their, their techniques for manipulating society into all being one like one giant anthill, all going in the same direction with the same one mindset, how they, 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 they've managed very successfully to sort of downplay individualism and make them all feel part of this great oneness. And that's why it's the, the model state for the world, according to the United Nations. But she carried away and she said, she, she said, do so, so well with their population problem. And I played along and said, oh, really? She says, oh, yes, yes, they, they, they had it all done, done so well. And it's true because in the early days of communism in China, when the word filtered back through the spies in society to the top, they'd send out troops to pick up people in their homes and drag the women off to the clinics for the abortion. And now with the psychological technique of approval, social approval and social disapproval, they don't have to do that anymore because their neighbors themselves will force the woman 
and an escorter to the abortion clinic. See, most people really are not individuals at all. They're composites of their brainwashings. It's like someone who notices your car, someone you know very well, and you say, well, my, my, my emergency brake isn't attached. And they'll look at you like, oh, that's illegal. Really concerned, because to them, illegal means something nasty, nasty, nasty. And law is just law. It's a, it's a bunch of commands put out by people at the top. And laws can be anything. But, but some people who are composites and who don't think for themselves can be and are your worst enemies in any society. People you might have known for years even, but you watch their Pavlovian responses, and that's what it is, it's Pavlovian responses you're seeing of their indoctrinations. And this woman who was telling me about this, about China, prattled on and, and, and glorified that their techniques for for getting the whole society in, in on the thing uh, to 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 go against second uh, pregnancies, social disapproval. So it's not a legal thing anymore, just legal. It's, it's also social disapproval. They used that here with cigarette smoking, big test. They started to indoctrinate children at school so that if you blew smoke twenty feet away, they start they go into a coughing fit, a paroxysm of, of, of coughing. And point at you like, oh, like a, one, one of these creatures from a horror movie. A Pavlovian response. And that's what they've decided to do in society, is just use the same psychological techniques of repetition until we all have these various types of Pavlovian responses. And when I said to this woman, but what gives you the right to decide who live and die. And she said to me, because then she suddenly remembered who she was talking to. I wasn't one of her cohorts. And she said, well, somebody has to do it. That was the simple response. Now, I've heard that same response on similar topics from other people who were in the, the working army, the earth army, as they sometimes call it at the UN. That's their answer. Somebody has to do it. It all makes perfect sense to them. This is similar to a, a guy I bumped into in my travels who was a big arms dealer. Very pleasant man. Very pleasant. And you'll find that with most of them. They're, they seem gracious, in fact, in company, concerned. Like, Do you have enough coffee, like something to drink, yada, yada, yada? They'll pull out the chairs for the ladies to sit on, and very courteous. And they will have genuine cares and concerns about people or their own families and so on. And, but one night I was sitting, sitting chatting, and I said, you know, all, all of these, these things you're making, these, these armaments and, and, and all the bullets and so on, and when you end up killing people, they might even be used back in Canadians one day. And he said to me, 
It's just, I don't care. He said, ask to whoever needs them. He said, whoever wants them. I just want to be rich. And he said it, not in a facetious way. He was being very honest about it. I could tell by the way he said it. We have these odd people who are able to profit from wars. Rationalize it quite easily to themselves. Even though it sounds absurd to people like me. And they have no problem even, even, there's no stammering, there's no hesitancy in their answers. They're telling you a genuine, generally how they feel. And you find it's, it's incomprehensible how a person can care so much about family, other friends and so on, but have that kind of attitude towards what he's chosen to do. These people really do exist. And this is a telling period for humanity because there's a separation taking place. The separation has been talked about in previous ages, as it's called, where society gets to such a stage of corruption from the top to the bottom that something happens, either man-made or whatever, and most folk are wiped out. Others have, have, have taken some sort of moral stance concerning this story. That there's a change in certain humans themselves. There are certain humans alive who are different from the rest. And these ones come through. Whereas those who are still base do not. Now the elites believe that they are the superior ones and that they will come through and yet they are the most evil creatures on the planet people worship very old noble families who got their wealth and their power by slaughtering everyone else around them generally because they had a big family going on from there getting in cahoots with bankers who always go together with these people for armaments and so on and going off and slaughtering other peoples and dominating them and today we accept that they're descendants simply simply because it's tradition uh, if it's true that society likes a winner and loves a winner then society is doomed if that's the kind of winner they truly like anyone who wins by any means possible. We're witnessing the end of humanity as we know it. Now all the old holy books in other countries have this fable story in it, whatever it is. Even Judaism has it in it that we go through these cycles. Talmudic Judaism. And that we reach a, a point of total debasements, debasement, and then catastrophe comes and people are wiped away. And I have to admit, I have seen the good and the bad in my life and 
extremes. I've seen the many in between, but I certainly have seen extremes. But yet today, there are very few people who truly care what's going on. And, and don't be misled by, by groups and NGOs, non-governmental organizations who are authorized by the big boys, who are always spouting for more things for the workers or for this or that or the other. This is all part of the agenda. I'm talking about people who really care, not because they're paid to, and because they say all the right things and have an ulterior agenda. There, but today, we're seeing the dividing line of those who care and the majority who do not. That point is past, in fact. It's already decided. And most do not care. By caring, I don't mean that you hear about something and it's maybe on your mind that night and it's gone the next day. A caring is something that stays with you. A caring is something that once you realize what's happening somewhere to someone else, you can't just let it go. Regardless of the company you're in or the situation that happens, or you go to a party and everybody's laughing, it still stays with you. Those few people are, are, are very rare. They're rare people. And yet those are the ones who are bringing survival instincts into the next stage. The rest of them are gone. Because if you don't care about others, you are allowing humanity to be extinguished. Part of survival mechanisms is based, even in the smallest tribe or the largest tribe, is based on caring for others. When you don't have it, you're doomed because anything can and will be done to you. Growing up in Britain, during a time of mass upheaval, when the deindustrialization after World War II was continuing right down through the 60s, 70s and 80s, and all we had on television at news time was decrees by ministries of this and ministries of that from the government, pushing all of these decrees and all the bad news of layoffs and plant closures, and the reasons were never given. And, and it wasn't until the European Union, the big secret unification, was over and done with, and they declassified their documents. They admitted they'd agreed in 1945 to deindustrialize Britain. Like old Ro uh, Rockefeller said, well, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. So those generations who grew up in misery and uncertainty in the era when Margaret Thatcher came on television and said there's a generation growing up now who will never see work in their lifetime get used to it that was all part of it that was the omelette you see that was the eggs getting broken yeah. just unfortunate but it has to be because that's the plan you see and generations are included in the plan and generations of misery and no hope and no future. That's the reality of those who rule and run and guide this world. 
These are the same people who make sure that the funding for research into science goes into specific areas which they will control for, for leading to total control of the individual. That's the, the sad truth of this world in which we live. The upheavals are coming even faster because they knew they could not integrate the world into a global system and have just a, a perfect peace unless they gave it uh, another couple of hundred years of, of increased immigration from all sides to wherever they wanted to go. And they don't have that time because they go by a very, very strict timetable it's not astrological. They used astrological symbols for the exoteric to fall into, but it's actually a time clock. They, they count their ages in, in time written in the sky. It's something, it's a perfect clock. The stellar clock. And they must stay on time. This world is run as a long-range business plan. Long-range business plan. Intergenerationally. And when I was young, I went into the libraries, the adult libraries, because I wanted to know about all these old buildings that I could see around the next town, old, old town. I want you to know how, how generations of stonemasons could work on one church, for instance, or, or a, a cathedral. More so, I wanted to know, as, because I understood there was so much chaos and wars going on and poverty and so on, how come the control or the controlling factor behind all of that for maybe five, six, seven generations, never lost control through all the mayhem and chaos and wars. You'd think, well, well, we'll put that on hold till this is over, but nothing was ever done like that. The money kept coming to the certain building projects. Then you go back into the, the times of the Norman invasion, the ones who have never really been explained in history. What they have given us is partly a sideshow, quite a bit of untruth, and but they've never gone into the nitty-gritty of, of uh, a people who were financed on a larger scale in World War II with munitions and supplies and postmaster generals and uh, all, all this kind of stuff over a, a multi-year war to take over the whole of Europe and Scandinavia. And we're told they came from the northern countries, they were called uh, they, they called their place uh, Normandy but I don't think that's true at all they spoke French they said well that's because they moved into France but no they, they, they spoke French and they didn't stay to any mother tongue and even when they took over the court of England people forget that for about 200 years the court of England was sp uh, all spoke French But who were these Normans who came in with their big, big building project? Something 
that have been lost because the build the big building projects throughout Europe came first with the Romans until they left when their empire appeared to crumble. But they did the same thing. They came in with the money men, the bankers. They forced money on the people. Then they taxed it back and they paid you to work for them and then taxed it back from you. Money taxation is important to their system. And from the taxes, they have their big, big ongoing building projects, the master builders. Huge roads, huge buildings, and a money system to go with this new way of living, which didn't exist before. Well, the Normans reintroduced that, did exactly the same thing with all their big building projects and their creation of capital cities. Ongoing master builders. And democracy is based on this. Same ongoing thing from local townships right up to the top to the federal level, international levels now. We have this massive taxation and panels meeting to always decide what to build next. And as they build and build and build, you're taxed more and more and more. Money is a tool used by the, the elite. It's a means. It's not the end itself. They could use anything they wished. They, they would wish we'd all just work for nothing. This way we, we can earn all our numbers, pay all our numbers back out, pay so many numbers back to them, and when you figure it out, you almost are working for nothing. So it's a con game, you see. It's, it's a trick. But, it, but because we use this money, then we are paid and we will work for them and we build these big, big projects. We build the war machines. We pay universities to put up subsidies to match the subsidies from the foundations to research into specific areas, which will end up giving us more manacles to wear. We build our own chains. We always build our own chains in this system. Then we wonder, my goodness, how did that happen? How did that happen? Well, who do you think paid for all these monitors they're putting up? They put up all over Britain, for instance, and all over Europe, and they're putting up all over here. The taxpayers paid for them. The arms of government wanted them, but the taxpayers paid for them. They have microphones in many of them, boom microphones, which can pick up conversations 200 yards away in a shop doorway. And once again, the public are told, this is normal now, you're being watched. You have special people watching you. They won't, they won't rat and blackmail you or whatever. No, they're special people. They come out of different wombs than you and I, just like police and military people and politicians. And yet we live in the most corrupt age ever. So the ones at the top are more corrupt than anyone else. And you want to trust that. Well, good luck to you. When social Darwinism began to be taught, which really was just survival of the fittest, the elite were so happy to hear it voiced for the first time something which they'd always believed in anyway in their own inner religion. 
and this was something which they had to teach the people to believe in because once you accept that life is just blobs of protoplasm with sparking synapses and electrochemical impulses racing through nervous systems, then you dehumanize, you take away any sacredness within life itself. And they have been at that so steadily for such a long time now, they've convinced most of the population that that is so. And when you can, when you convince the population that, well, life is just an accident almost, but there's nothing great or mysterious about it. See, the scientists can dissect it and explain it all to you. And there's so much of it around anyway, it's not as if it's in scarce supply. Therefore, why bother grieving over those who are dying or sick or are going to be killed in this war or the next war or the many wars to come, the ongoing world war, which is on now, which is the war on terror. At one time, people fought to preserve the sacredness within humanity. They fought for that right. Today, it's out the window. It's in the trash bin. Most people don't care for anything outside of themselves. They're, they're walking or racing composites, dashing to and fro to buy the next reward to please themselves at the end of the month. Anything they do for others is done for a reward. Nothing is given without expecting a reward. And it's a sad, sad comment that we've been reduced to this, but it was written about that this would happen. They did have to bring us to this point so they could get the next step, the next stage underway. And of course they've been teaching this stuff in school so long now that generations have grown up thinking, well that's it, but it's Darwinian socialism, it makes perfect sense to me. It's survival of the fittest, um, the, 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 the most aggressive, intelligent have the right to dominate the rest and do as they will with the peasantry. And that's what we're watching. And yet they have these legalities they must go through of publishing things like yesterday, the blurb I read yesterday. They publish it. That, that's a legality, you see, because we acquiesce to, under common law, we acquiesce by our silence to their outlandish dictates. And their own historians can then go ahead and write, well, society went through this phase, there was no objection from the public. And that's how things are written. The public feel that they're powerless unless they belong to a non-governmental organization. But that's not true. The amount of people an individual can influence in their lives can be astonishing.
And even if you influence five people in your lifetime, like the ancient Greek philosophers said, you'd accomplished wonders. And I mean to influence, to change something which made such an impact to change people for the better without robbing them of their self. You'll find out there in the chaos that's been created and well funded into existence to trap those who are looking for truth. The minefield, as I call it, to get out the tunnel you see the field, the forest is on the other side of the field. You want to run towards it, but then you find out there's, there's, very, and, uh, there's mines buried everywhere across that field. The field is so enticing, because in that field you'll hear and see things you've never seen before. You get information you've never heard before, but it's always spun off in a direction to disable you from becoming much more than you already are. To bring you back into the loop before the elite make a single move in any direction they plan all possible repercussions like a chess game and they set up and train people to become the leaders of groups that will arise to combat or it seems to combat the initial stimuli before anything is done, before the first move is made, they go over this meticulously. But what they cannot count on is occasional individual here or there who doesn't fall into a category. Those who are unpredictable. When we forget the sacredness within humanity, you've just given away the only thing that could stop them from touching you. And have convinced whole populations that we're, we're just walking little, as I said before, pieces of protoplasm. We can be dissected, we can be harvested. Harvested before you even are clinically dead. And they're pushing further all the time because the fresh organs straight out the body are the best to say. And the ghouls go to work. And we accept it because it's for a good cause. They call charity work. Same thing. Same old Masonic thing down through the ages. It's for a good cause. But we look at the horror that's caused in this good cause. And where it's going. And people should really ponder deeply and carefully. Next week, I'll go into other topics, of course. With maybe some good news here and there, hopefully. And if I wanted, I could target the big audiences by telling them nice things, which make them go to bed feeling fuzzy and warm and happy. But I've never ever pretended that was here to to grab the bulk of the populace 
I've always looked for the uncommon man or woman. Because those are the only ones that truly count. The rest are composites of their conditioning, of their training. And yes, and somewhere in deep within them, there's also the fact that they prefer to make certain choices. So forgive this talk tonight as a bit slow. Um, I'm tired tonight. Ponder these things carefully. And may your God go with you. All the best. Good night. When you walk through a storm Oh